Uh, don't worry, Marcus says nobody's watching live. Hey guys, welcome to the Fear the Fincast. I'll edit that out. Uh, I'm Jacob Sundstrom. It's uh, we're here with Marcus White, who made us 20 minutes late today. It's February 13th. Happy day before Valentine's Day. Uh, Marcus and I are going out tomorrow night to Olive Garden with Brandon Belt. Uh, Brandon's paying. <laughs> we're gonna have all you can eat breadsticks. I can't wait. Hey, I, uh, I as long as he's paying. Well, I'm not gonna pay for Olive Garden. Jesus, I yeah, no. might be poor, but I have standards. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're going to do a little, well, let's, let's break down what we've got coming here. We're going to recap the road trip, uh, which the sharks did mercifully get four out of eight points on, which I'm calling a qualified success, much to our reader's chagrin. Uh, Marcus thoughts on the road trip while I tweet all of these links. Yeah. I think the, uh, the biggest thing from that road trip is it was a pretty much a scheduling nightmare, uh, to even get a win to get three or four points on that those uh, West Coast morning back-to-backs in Philadelphia and New Jersey, uh, I'd say is a pretty – is very successful. Uh, I would not call it a success to have only gotten one point out of a Buffalo-Boston swing, uh, although Boston's played a lot better lately. Uh, they Even Boston's before they got fired, the best numbers in the NHL. They're freaking good, man. I'm not going yeah. to take this crap where people say Boston's yeah. bad just because uh, they have the lowest shooting and, percentage in the you NHL. You know, I've read, too, they, just before they fired Claude, they were starting to score more. And, you know, people wrote that, like, if they fire him, they're going to – all the press are going to give credit to the new coach. But in actuality, it's just continuing the play that they've been uh, – I mean – yeah, they're the best. They're the best score-adjusted possession team in the league. Uh, I think that's the biggest testament to Claude Julien's coaching job this season. In all honesty, because that roster is not actually very good. Not a, you would not think that's a good possession roster at all. Um, but they're playing pretty well, and you know the with the bye weeks, everything's kind of in flux. Where you know a bunch of teams are in contention still when they shouldn't be. You know, basically Arizona and Colorado are the only two teams in the NHL that are entirely out of contention for a playoff spot. Uh, standings wise Buffalo the the woes in Buffalo continued uh I jokingly tweeted that the Sharks reached a new Buffalo uh with the loss um it wasn't I mean they just they didn't play very well I thought they I thought they played pretty well in the first two periods uh, I thought Martin Jones did not have a very good third period I think uh you, you're oh oh wow hot take yeah he did not I'm play well against time. Boston but he was very good against New Jersey um, so he bounced back there. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway though, from that road trip, um, cause you know, he didn't play, he was asked to come in in relief in against Boston. And I think like we saw when he did so against Pittsburgh earlier in the year, that's not exactly, uh, Arendelle's strength, but the biggest takeaway, and if I'm a broken record, cause we say it every time he plays, but he needs to play more. Uh, I, I did a little, some real cursory research when, uh, while Dell was playing in that game against, um, against Philadelphia. There's only Martin Jones is on pace to start uh, 69 games this season, which is nice. nice. Um, the old, there's only one goalie that's won a Stanley cup. I think in the last dating, I want to say dating back to 0809 that started that many games and won a Stanley cup. And it was Jonathan quick when he, when he caught absolute fire. Well, here um, comes number two. Right. Yeah. Here, we, here we uh, come. So just given how well Dell's played, how that's a, uh, how how bad Jones has looked at times and how much I just I just don't think it's wise to give him that I don't think it's wise to give any goalie sixty nine starts in a season, like even Henrik Lundqvist. Nice as it is. Yeah, as nice as it is, I wouldn't I don't think I'd start any just in today's NHL, 
the gap between starters and backups is a lot smaller than it was, uh, you know, in other eras. And I just don't think Martin Jones is ready for that. I don't think any goalie is ready for that workload. Certainly don't think Martin Jones is. Uh, last year was the most games he played in a regular season, let alone the playoff run the Sharks had. So he's he's played the most games of his career uh, over this stretch. And I, you know, he he told you he was in shape. He was feeling good. I, I'm sure he does. I'm sure every goalie wants to play every game. Uh, the way I look at it is, you know, some people say, oh, well, you know, skaters don't rest every game. It's like, well, you have the opportunity to rest your goalie. You don't necessarily have the opportunity to rest your skaters. Um, so yeah, rest the goalie. 60 minutes a game. Exactly. So rest, rest the goalie. Uh, and Dell looks really good. Uh, that should have, that, that should quell any link to a backup goalie, uh, at the trade deadline, how well he played against Philadelphia. He was spectacular. All right, a couple things. One, we are taking uh, your questions during the podcast. We have yes. five viewers right now, uh, Marcus, so suck it. I'm sorry, guys. <clears throat> uh, we can say that on the podcast. We can't say that on live radio, apparently. Uh, really? so, I, <laughs> you're not supposed to, anyway. Okay. Um, so go ahead and drop those. I've got the chat thing open. If you ask, ask questions, I will an- we will answer them. Not, I'm not going to say I. Marcus will answer them. I'm not going to. <laughs> um, I will pose the questions to Marcus. Jake's a conscientious objector to questions. Uh, exactly. Oh, nice. Uh, <clears throat> so that's thing number one. Uh, to hit on the Aaron Dell thing real quick, the recent, semi-recent scuttlebutt seems to be that uh, it really has nothing to do with the way Aaron Dell has played this season. It seems to have everything to do with Doug Wilson's confidence in his ability kind of a overall. Um, it doesn't really seem to have any in him. Um, on one hand, I do like the idea that Doug Wilson isn't just looking at, you know, the six or seven games he's played this season. It's like, oh, man, wow, now I'm convinced Agreed. because he's played Agreed. seven games. And that, that's Agreed. good. That is a good thing. My, I have two problems, though, beyond that. Number one, his AHL numbers are very good and suggest yeah. that he should be a fine NHL backup. Um, number two uh, is that Doug Wilson has shown literally no ability in his entire career at any point that he is good at evaluating goaltending. He is, a, an, in fact, empirically bad at evaluating goaltending. He is not good at it. Number three... If he was concerned about Aaron Dell, then he should have acquired a backup goaltender at the beginning of the season because Agreed. there were several available. Yeah. And, if, and if this is the case, then, then he's really, really screwed up. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just the bottom line. If he goes out and acquires a backup goaltender right now and gives up assets for it, then he's really, really failed the franchise in terms of asset management. If, and, that's, and that's inexcusable as a general manager. And I, I think if, if you weren't – and I think these these are all good points. Uh, you know, the goaltending evaluation, we talked about this a little bit. You know, they you know, he brought in Niemi, he brought in Nidamaki, let Grice play in Germany. Grice ends up playing for the Sharks the next season because of Nidamaki's injury. Grice plays well, Sharks let him walk because you know, Staylock, they had more confidence in Alex Staylock. Um how'd that work out? Exactly. Harry Sateri they drafted, didn't really pan out too much. Uh, a lot of the goalies they've drafted have not panned out. Tyson Sexsmith, uh, all those names kind of ring a bell. And goaltending, to be it's fair to Wilson, to goaltending's a yeah. very hard position. And they're, I think if you looked at most goalies in the NHL, they all come from maybe a third of the teams in the league Yep. in terms of who drafted them, who developed them. 
um, and where they spent most of their time. So it's a notoriously hard position to draft. Um, I could absolutely see it being that, you know, Wilson doesn't have confidence in him. Um, but if you didn't have confidence in Dell and if you have more confidence in Grosnick, you know, why isn't he up instead of Dell? I mean, yes, you know, because Grosnick had that uh, one great game in San Jose, didn't have a great year last year, but with a better defense in front of him, he's playing a lot better uh, in the AHL this year. Um, and Armalis is playing well, but again, if you weren't confident in a goalie, and I know they probably didn't want to go for the years, uh, on Reimer, but if you weren't confident in your backup options, you had the cap space to spring for Reimer this season. You could have, you, you probably couldn't have gotten Schlemko and Bodker. You would have, and maybe you, you, you know, Timo Meyer and Kevin LeBanc probably wouldn't be up this season. It would have changed or right now, or maybe they would. It would have changed some moves, but if you weren't confident in the back of goaltending, that James Reimer deal that Florida gave him, you could have given him knowing full well that he was going to get taken by Las Vegas in the expansion draft. Yeah, to me, and I, you know, just to, to clarify, I'm not necessarily suggesting that, you know, uh, that that Doug Wilson is like, you know, uh, like a total idiot when it comes to goaltending. My point here is that, if Doug Wilson is not some kind of savant when it comes to goaltending evaluation, and he's clearly not because he's had literally, and I mean literally one hit in his entire career. And that's, or I'd never, he's never had one. The Sharks have not drafted. I mean, the only, right. I don't the even only think goalie they've ever had, had is the Bokov, right? Was Grice drafted before Wilson took over as GM? <sighs> I, I honestly don't know. I want to say No. Looking it up right now. But he doesn't get credit for that because he let him walk. Right. I mean, that. but Grice is the only goalie that they've developed in their system that's come up through the minors that's turned into an NHL starter. Right. And a one out of, uh, you know, however many goalies you drafted, a lot of teams would take that. The issue is, is that Thomas Grice isn't here anymore. An issue. Yeah. It's not good. Uh, you know, it just to me, uh, it, they could have had Jonas Enroth during the offseason, which is the guy I wanted. His cap hit's only $750,000. He's a very good backup goalie. Um, and sorry, I misspoke earlier. Grice, Grice was here at 11 12, and, and in that locked out shortened season, he played six games. He, he left uh, the season after. Okay. Uh, it's just, it, it, it would be extremely poor asset management to give anything up for a backup goalie at this point. If they do that, you know, it, it, would, it just would. It'd be a huge mistake, and we're putting the Sharks in a really tough position cap-wise right now because guess what? They've made the moves, theoretically assuming they're not going to make a backup goalie move, which leaves us back to the original thing, which is overplaying Martin Jones. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what kind of information they're working with that perhaps suggests to them that Martin Jones can handle a really, really big workload that other goalies either can't or just And also don't. what information they're getting that suggests – that tells them that Aaron Dell won't be a successful backup in the league. I, the, the, to me, there's another side to that, though. Um, even if Aaron Dell is bad, and let's say Alex Stalock level bad, the Sharks can afford to lose some games, you know. It wouldn't be that big a deal. Yeah. The Sharks have like a five-point lead in the Pacific, and they've been playing with, you know, some pretty serious injuries. They're the best team right. in the Pacific by, not by a little bit, by a lot, by a and lot. they're injured. Yeah. 
They are the class of the Pacific by a ton. It's Agreed. not even close. The other teams are, are garbage. They're it's not, not like good. last year where playing Staylock, if they had played it more, that would have hurt their chances to make the playoffs. Correct. This year, like, they could go out, sign Alex Staylock, pop him in there for a few games, and yeah, they'd probably lose, but eh, you know, whatever. They're fine. Uh, this year is why it's so baffling to me that they're playing Martin Jones so much. They're not exactly up against the wall. You know, I mean, I, I make this joke all the time now when the Sharks win games about how tight the Pacific is because um, there are certain people who uh, made some tweets about how tight the Pacific was getting at certain points this year when the Sharks had like 8,000 games in hand on other teams around them. It's not tight, guys. The division is not tight. The division is terrible. And, you know, for all the talk about, you know, uh, uh, certain fear the Finn Riders needing to use their eyes more. I actually wonder how many people watch the other Pacific Division teams play when they're not playing the Sharks because the division sucks. It yeah. sucks. The Kings are not what they used to be. The Ducks are being run into the ground by Randy Carlisle. And guess what? Other, the Oilers are the only other good team. Like it, the big thing about both Edmonton and Anaheim is, you know, standings-wise, both of them have lost a ton of games in overtime and the shootout they've gotten, I mean, and don't, it does say something about them that they've gotten to that point and they've, right. they've played well to get to that point. But you know, if half of those games are in like regulation, the Sharks have a 10 point lead in the division. That being said, the uh, going the other way, if they win half of those games, they're tied with the Sharks, but right. like the, but the margins aren't like, yeah, I just, I don't, it, you know, I, I agree. The the me, the if, you're, if you're playing those games in a playoff series, uh, it's a zero-sum game at that point. Right. That's always been the thing with the Ducks for me in the, once you get to the playoffs. It's like, oh, man, what's the deal? Why do the Ducks not have success in the playoffs? It's like, well, all those loser points they get to bank during the, the regular season, right. they don't get to bank those in the playoffs. Of course. They don't get to and bank the they, loser point. And, right. you know, when you're playing one team that can hone in on your issues as opposed to a bunch of teams over the course of a season, of course, you're going to ha- like, they're going to exploit whatever your weakness is. And uh, yeah, no, I, I think, um, yeah, that you, I think that's a good point you make about Dell is that they don't have to start him as much. Whereas, or excuse me, Jones, whereas last year they did because they had no other viable alternative. And then once, but then you saw once they got Reimer, they rested Jones a lot. Um, right. And I think, you know, may, and maybe it is a, a stand. I think it's a, a combination of a whole lot of factors. I think, I think they really want home ice, even though they maybe shouldn't, because as we've talked about, home ice. Yes, you want it, but it's not the end all, be all. And just look at what the Sharks did last year. Yes, having the home ice, I think, for the second for the series against um, Nashville helped. And if as of now, you know, they'll have home ice and, until the conference finals, basically. But they didn't need home ice against the Kings. They didn't need home ice against the Blues. Um, maybe home ice would have helped against the Penguins, but realistically, you're not, realistically, you're not going to have home ice against the Eastern Conference winner uh, at this point. So, I, but I think it's a combination of factors. I think it's a lack of confidence in Dell. I think it's overconfidence in Jones. I, I, just the way they talk about him and the way you know he's he's written about and the you know the way the team talks about him. I think they view him at in the Lundquist, you know price category and you know he's a good goalie but he's just not in that range you can win with martin jones you can win with a league average goalie but he's not he and he can steal games when needed but you cannot rely on him to carry you 
Uh, it's interesting. When we first, when Martin Jones was first acquired, uh, you know, I, and this was when I had first kind of taken over the site. I wrote some, did some articles about what, what we should expect from him. And, uh, you know, based on everything I read and some, you know, goalie people I talked to, some Kings people I talked to, it's basically, we should expect, you know, about league average goaltending. And I thought that's, that's good. That's, that's what the Sharks needed, especially after, uh, after having Niemi for a few years where we had opportunities to have, you know, a goalie that could play stretches where he would literally put the team on his back and win not just right. games, but playoff series. Cause that's what Niemi could do. That's what Niemi did against the Sharks in 2010, which I think right. people forget about. Right. Um, which is funny because every other round. Correct. Well, that's why they forget about it. But literally that 2010 was the first postseason I really, really followed really closely. And I will never forget that uh, playoff yeah. series. Um, but he also had would also lose you postseason rounds because he would play yes. so terribly. It, he did, so, as he did, as you could argue, he did in the first round against the Kings in 2013-14. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, well, also in fairness, though. Well, anyway, not the point. But point. Oh, being, we, I, we could do a we could do a, a podcast that would last years about all the issues the Sharks, the self-inflicted wounds of that playoff series. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the point is that what the Sharks had in the Emmy was a goalie that had a really high ceiling, but also a very low floor. And what they got in Martin Jones was very clearly a guy that didn't have quite the ceiling that Niemi did, but had a much, much, much higher floor. Yes. And, so, and, and to me, it was like, okay, that's great. What the Sharks need is actual consistency. And I know yeah. that's a word that broadcasters use a lot, but they don't actually know what it means because... Right. Uh, it's a very nebulous term when used. Right. But when you actually use it correctly, which I think I am here because I actually I've got a dictionary and everything, it's amazing. Um, you know that that's what Jones brings to the Sharks, and so what Jones brings is very consistent, average goaltending. Martin Jones is not a top five goalie. He's not a top ten goalie either. He's probably around the fourteen or fifteenth best goalie in the league, and that's not a criticism of Martin Jones. If you take it as a criticism of Martin Jones, it's because you need to. Take We're saying it. he's one of the fifteen best goalies on the planet, guys. Literally on planet Earth, and yeah. and, and like I, I, that's good, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. And the Sharks are a team that is so good that that's. Good enough. That's all they need. Stanley That's Cup. all they need is the consistently average. Like the Chicago average. Blackhawks have won three Stanley Cups in the past uh, six years, um, and until recently, Corey Crawford was also around that. Exactly. Rank. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's not a problem if your team is good enough. You don't need uh, don't need a top five goalie. And he's and the thing about Jones too is it's also not to say that he cannot develop into that. He is young right. enough where. And there are aspects of his game, and I'm a goalie amateur, but there are aspects of his game where it's like, okay, if he if he tightens up in certain areas, he can be one of the league's best goalies. Yep. But uh, they just they don't need him to be that yet. Right. And certainly I think it's it's so embarrassingly premature to talk about him in that way because he hasn't right. done anything yet. Uh, I mean, look shots- how long it, we were talking people were talking about Carey Price for years. Look how long it took him. Like He's only like just now recently, like I'll say, like living up to that hype that he had when he was first drafted. The hype being, you know, when he was drafted, Pierre Maguire just ripped the pick because he wasn't French Canadian. But like, um, yeah. so he had that going for it. But you know, like goalies take it takes time to develop. Goalies are very odd in that sense. It doesn't happen right away. Jones had a magnificent postseason. He was awesome last year. He was 
some of the best goaltending I've ever seen in that series against the Penguins. Like the only reason the Sharks got to six games yep. is because of Martin Jones. That's the level he can reach. That doesn't mean he's always going to play at that level. Very few goaltenders do. Lundqvist isn't even at that level all the time. He just hits it more consistently than other guys. Yep. I mean, the uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen that in the, the other Stanley Cup finals. I mean, uh, when the uh, Rangers played the Kings, the only reason that that final made it to six games is because the uh, because of Henrik Lundqvist, right? So yeah. there you go. It happens. That's the way it works. Five games, but yes. Or five games, right. Well, that's, yeah, what a bad final. I, uh, yeah, it was bad. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, okay. Let's answer some of these questions because we do actually have some now. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Drew Johnson asks, can Doug Wilson depend on Hurdle to be healthy down the stretch and into the playoffs given the small window? Oh, wait, wait. Oh, okay, this is related. Given the small window, I think adding another top nine center even as – oh, so all oh, right. Top nine center even as insurance slash flexibility would be really nice at the trade deadline. So let's answer the question first. Can Doug Wilson depend on Hurdle to be healthy down the stretch into the playoffs? I guess my thought is if Hurdle's not healthy, it doesn't matter because the Sharks are screwed. So I don't care. I would – yeah, I think they – I think um, I'm not very sold on many – I'm not sold on really any of the arguments to acquire a player, but that is probably the most convincing one. If you can get yeah. a top-nine setter who's in the last year of his deal to replace Hurdle. Um, just to have a little more depth because I think we all can agree. I think Chris Tierney is best served in a, in a fourth line role. That's again, not to say he's a bad player. He just does really well. He does really, really well in that role. He does well in the third line role, but he does but really, he, really well. Other fourth line centers for lunch. It's just yeah. embarrassing what he does to them out yeah. there. And like, you know, he, and I, I think I like that idea. Um, who was on his line last night? It was Haley and Carlson, you know, when, when the Sharks are healthy, when Don Scoy's back, I'd like to see what Tierney's line looks like because there's potential for some – he could be playing with some pretty high-skilled guys in a fourth-line role, which, you know, I, I love forward depth, so I salivate over. Uh, I think you can rely on Hurdle to be healthy. I think, um, you know, the last injuries seem to be – I don't want to say fluky, but, you know, a little, like – out of a little out of nowhere, I think, you know, he really didn't have injury issues in 14, 15 when he came back. He was still working back to his strength. And then 15, 16, he was healthy all until uh, the cup final. And I, I think he's just really kind of had a little bit of a bad stretch. Um, but I think it, it would be wise to look into um, insurance for Hurdle. I don't know if that's Martin Hansel. Uh, he might be too expensive. I, I'm really not sure what other centers – would be available, but I think a, I, th I th I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm not very, I'm not convinced the Sharks should or even need to make a move, but if there is a move to be made, I think it's that one. Uh, to me, I would say I'd, ra I'd rather, I'd rather just look internally to replace, yeah. to replace Hurdle if he gets hurt and just punt on the season rather than give up assets. If yeah. Hurdle is hurt again, and I mean, if, if it's a knee again, he's gone and it's over and, and it's time to mortgage. It's, it's time to move on and like, you know, the window's over. Uh, yeah. Because, I mean, really it is. If you lose a guy as important, and I think people don't understand that because they don't get how important Hurdle is to the team. Right. But if Hurdle gets hurt well, again. You wouldn't necessarily get that because they've played well in his absence, but they need, but you're, you're not going to win playoff series with Chris Tierney and Ryan Carpenter as your third and fourth line center. So, You'll so get out of Right. but you won't get out of the West. Right. So here, here's my thing. Um, and I don't, this is why I don't want, wouldn't want to, don't want the Sharks to make a move as an insurance policy for Hurdle 
is that if if hurt so if hurdles hurt the sharks are toast um what I'd rather them do is call up Danny O'Regan at that point to play and give him time center yeah. and give him time and just let him hey go play go play in the playoffs yes. go get some experience and, yeah. and that that kid's the future at that point and Tierney's yeah. gonna have to learn to play third line center because that's what he's gonna play right you know? and that and that to me is the most positive way Agreed. to survive what would be a really devastatingly bad situation and they're I think they're healthy enough now where. You could play Tierney in a third line center spot, and if you give him the right line mates, you know, I mean, if you if you put him between Meyer and Ward, I think you're still going to have a really good third line. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's a cup winning team or anything, it. but I think that they can they can still do stuff. I'm not saying like, oh, you know, oh, the the team won't even get get you know get out of the first round. It's right. not that, but like, you were not going to. I, I don't think the Sharks can win it. Right, they can't win a cup without Hurdle. Like Curdo is that important? He really yeah. is. He's I mean, look how well, look how poorly they played without him. Uh, once, once he got hurt. I mean, they're the best. They probably the best hockey they played was just before he got hurt in game two. That was probably the best yeah. hockey they played all series. Yep. Um, that was a good. That's a good question, though. That was. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, next from Dave Smith. Is that next? Yes. Uh, what can the Sharks do to jumpstart the power play, uh, reshuffle units, add player at the deadline? And if okay, if so, who would be a better candidate, Vanek or Eves? Uh, all right, let's start from the beginning. Uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, reshuffling the power play. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Because we actually have some, I think, even Yeah, we, had, we were talking, to, we were talking uh, when LeBanc was playing for Couture. Oh, um, man. I was, I mean, I was into it. This is a simple switch. Um, I would do two things on the power play. Uh, I put Kevin LeBanc on the top unit. I think he really fit in and he's great with puck retrieval. Drop yep. Couture down to the second unit because yep. Couture really thrives, I think, on the top unit in that he play, either playing on it. He's almost a quasi point man on the power play. Like he'll, he'll rove around the half around the, on the offside boards in kind of like the high slot, high slot ish, um, but on his off wing. Uh, so not exactly in the slot, but just outside the high slot on his off wing. And, you know, he, he has that great interplay with Burns and really the rest of the team. I would put Couture on the second unit. Uh, and I would also play four forwards and have Schlemko uh, just run that second unit entirely. I mean, he, you know, he ran a, he quarterbacked a unit in uh, Jersey last year. He was great. Uh, he's been great this year on the power play, even playing with Vlasic. But I, I think you just got to let, let him loose, um, you know, and like, this is not to say, Vlasic, Vlasic's not a bad player. Like Vlasic's a very good defenseman, but he's just, you know, you don't want him on your power play. Like, you know, I, and I don't think he should be, he should not be offended by that. I think he's, he's still, that doesn't mean he's a bad puck mover. Um, if they want to go with the two defensemen though, like I'd experiment, try, try Justin Braun with Schlemko. I think Braun has a really underrated shot. He has a great ability to get pucks through on net. I think that's, he, he was playing a lot. He played a lot more on the power play when he first came up with McClellan. They, they use they like to use his shot a lot on the second unit. I think he's got good offensive instincts. I think it's worth trying him there. Um, and then also a third change: give Chris Tierney a look on one of these power play units. He's, yeah. he's got too much. Literally, skill. let me die on that hill. Uh, I'm gonna sell a T-shirt with us dead on that Chris Tierney on the power play hill. Yeah, second you give him some second unit time. I mean, if your second unit is Couture, Tierney, uh, Bodker, and Meyer or Ward, and then and then. Um, Schlemko, like that's a good that's a good second unit. Yeah, here's what here's what I have, and I think I think we have the same unit because we were texting about this. I've got on the top unit, 
Uh, Thornton, Pavelski, Hurdle, LeBanc, and Burns. Second unit, Couture, Marlowe, Bodker, Tierney, Schlemko. Uh, just, I forgot about just, Hurdle. <laughs> uh, well, it's fine. No problem. Uh, not that like, he's really important and we just – No, of course. I know. Like, I said, just, no, a little, yeah, I just, just a little I, thing I, about him. No, I think that's ideal. I think that's ideal. That's freaking good, man. And I think that yeah. – oh, we talked about this a little bit about um, – even if you switch Marlowe and Hurdle, those units are all both really good. Yeah, I like having the Couture, Marlowe, Bodker kind of a uh, line yes. together. Yeah, on that the makes sense. Play. I just, uh, yeah. you know, I, I at least like I like the idea of giving it a go and just kind of mixing things up because they've had such good chemistry when they're on the ice together. I don't know, put them on the ice when they've got extra space. Why? Why not? I think they've been. They were the Sharks' best line on the road trip, I think, and have been okay. probably in the last ten games. I've got a. Uh, we'll get back to questions. Other than just, other than Hurdle, Meyer, and Ward. Damn it, Marcus. I had the whole segue lined up. Never mind. You're the worst. Fine. We'll move on to the other questions. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Eves or Vanek as power right, play guys? I, know. I was going back to the thing. That's what I was. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I have no idea. What do you think? I don't want either of these guys. Back here in Detroit. Uh, Vanek would be an intriguing piece. Uh, I like him a lot because he's a guy who has the rep of being all skill and no defense, even right. though I don't think that's fair to him. Um, I hate Detroit defense, so I want salary, that. Look, if Detroit retains some salary, you get him cheap, you don't give up a lot of assets, and he just goes back and sides with Detroit in the offseason, like I I'd be I wouldn't I wouldn't be super opposed to that. I think he's a he's there's not many guys where I'm like, oh like I'm not clamoring for anybody, but there are some intriguing players like specific like Thomas Vanek's one of them where if like if the Sharks got him, I'd be like, okay, like that that's a guy you kick the tires on. Yeah, I mean, he's getting paid $2.6 million. So the deal is that the Red Wings have to either retain salary or they're going to have to take somebody. Uh, so so what? So Sharks fans are going to be like, oh, we'll just give them Mikel Bodker, right? Because that's what they're going to say for literally yeah. every trade. And that's what I, I swear to God, every time somebody like either DMs me, because that's usually what they do, I'll be like, oh, what do you think about doing this? Like, oh, okay, well, they can't afford him because, you know, in case you haven't noticed, the Sharks right. have negative $15,000 of salary. How much, like, how much space does Detroit have? Uh, they have uh, let's see, they uh, they've got uh, they've got a couple million because they're using. So if they, if they retain like two million, and then you waive Haley, and you give up like a third, you know, a mid round pick, like I don't know. I think they'll probably want more for Vanek, but like I mean, I do it in that circumstance for sure. You could do it. But I just, you're not going to get him in that circumstance. I just, I just don't under, I just, why, why are we doing this? Why are we trading? Because we always Canada? do it. It's the trade deadline. It's a fun time of year. Uh, I, the guys we have are better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, just I, play I the don't kids, think man. Be, uh, just play the kids and keep our damn draft picks. The only, I have really, honestly, I mean, yes, the I like the insurance policy, but realistically, the only we have an insurance policy. We've got even more young, good players. The only, only person that they, if, if that they should be kicking the tires on is if Colorado wants to make a big move and move Duchesne, move Landis Gog, or move Tyson Berry. Like that's right. like, here's my thing. If you want a freaking insurance policy, you want one. Devin Setaguchi just got put on waivers. And right, that yeah. mofo is free. Yeah. And it's a feel good story. So go claim him. I do wonder if, he, the press I, I do wonder if the sharks will claim him. Uh, he's going to get claimed before the sharks get to him. I think, I think so. I mean, Teddy personal cleared waivers. That was a long time ago. 
man. That Nieto got claimed. All right, good yeah, lord. Right. The dude has like six. Yeah, points. but Nieto can rap. I don't know if Seto can. <laughs> Seto can rap better than Nieto. Oh, did you hear how that rhymed? Nice. I yeah, can no, rap better nice. than Nieto. I mean, good nice lord. Job. Thanks. <clears throat> uh, all right. So we're moving on from that. Yeah. I don't want Thomas Vanek. We need more all. Austrians. Okay. Um, let's see. Are the Sharks allowed to practice at all during their five-day break? No, they're not allowed yeah. to have any official team anything. I'm sure they can hang out at Dave and Buster's if they want. So no. Has Florida had their buy? Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. That, is this a Florida Panthers podcast? No, I, just, I, don't I don't know. Because I'm sure Yager's, Yager probably tried to break that rule. He probably tried to go to the rink and practice. Well, I'm, the guys can go to the rink and practice. No, I don't think they can go. They can't go to Sharks Ice. They'll be turned. Yeah. They will be turned away from the. Yeah, if it's anything like Thanksgiving or Christmas, they'll be turned away from the facility. That's the famous. I don't know if it's apocryphal or true, but the the legend about Yager is that he was playing for the Devils. He showed up to their practice rink on either Thanksgiving or Christmas. They're like, dude, like you're not allowed to be here. So he's like, all right, whatever. Then he just drove to another rink and like paid for like the open ice time and then just skated there. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's certainly happening because there's no way Joe Thornton's going five days without skating. He can't do it. I mean, literally his body will seize up. I mean, the dude, <laughs> like he doesn't take days off. I mean, that's the famous story, right? After the, yeah. the 2014 collapse, he was back in the back at Shark's Ice like two days later working out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like he—that's how he stays in such good shape. Is that the young guys will be? The young guys will be. You know, they'll be enjoying the Santana row. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, or they'll be out of town. Uh, yeah, he'll be. Those they'll be doing stuff. They'll be working out for sure. What's the most amazing to me? Uh, speaking of the young guys, this is a small tangent. Is that you know on the feed of the Finn account, I'll follow some of them on Instagram or whatever, and it's like, wow, how is Nikita Yevpolov's affording to go on all of these ski trips? Don't you get paid like yeah. forty grand a year? What am I doing? And then I wonder, what am I doing? Anyway, I, I'm guessing his, his rent is probably uh, probably free. Yeah. In San Jose, I hope he knows how good he has it. No, I'm, yeah, I'm sure. After he played it, I think he played in Worcester. I'm sure he knows how good he has it. Uh, how bad is it? How bad does it have to be to, that living in San Jose is uh, having, it, having it good? It's pretty bad. I mean, hey, as a minor, as a minor, but when you look at the rest of the Pacific Division, Bakersfield, Stockton, like San Diego, though. Yeah, no, that's clearly the cream of the crop. Like, yeah, I mean, damn, that's good. I don't uh, know how they. I don't know how the goals players afford to live there. Uh, it's probably cheaper than San Jose, dude. They're probably living at the uh, at uh, Qualcomm Stadium. <laughs> yeah, they're just living inside of the concrete cylinders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so the Sharks next play on Wednesday against the aforementioned Florida Panthers. Uh, Sharks, I believe, uh, Sharks beat them when they played in Sunrise this year. They did, that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Florida's healthy, though. Huberto and Barkov are back. And because Philadelphia has been in a tailspin, like – Could have fooled me, am I right? Yeah, the Panthers are right back in the playoff hunt. Like, that, uh, uh, that conference is a, a big – Hot mess, baby. And that's oh, a, that's yeah. really if you're into if you're into playoff races, that Eastern Conference is where it's at right now, and it's a lot of fun teams, man. Between Toronto, Philadelphia, the Islanders, Florida, that's that's what's the up. Islanders right now. are playing so well; it's absurd. I mean, the Islanders listen, have teams in hand on everybody. 
they've got a couple good players that future shark John Tavares and uh, yes, future that's shark. it. I've been telling it when I so I was in Toronto the past week and uh, that's a good way to get people riled up because they really believe that Tavares is going to Toronto. You want to know why they believe that? Oh, oh, it's because every free agent is going to Toronto. every free agent board in Toronto is going to Toronto. And so Joel then I'm like, oh, man, uh, hey, next how's that uh, Stamkos jersey going for you yes, guys? Yes. How's, that, how's that working? The last time a number 91 from a place that you look down as a hockey market like was yeah, a free agent exactly. didn't come there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although that really hasn't worked out that well for Steven Stamkos, so maybe the idiot should have No, he's been hurt. Out. He should have signed in Toronto, I think. Would have been more fun to, be to go to the playoffs. Have blood clots in Toronto than have blood clots in Tampa Bay. Well, I'm just saying, at least he could have gone to the playoffs. You get some bonuses, I think. Yeah, I guess. They wouldn't if they had signed him though, they wouldn't have the same team as they do this year. Oh no. They wouldn't have been able to afford Roman Polak. No, no. No Polak. No. <laughs> I, I I think they're gonna find a way to miss the playoffs. Uh yeah, it's, it's okay if they do. They're still a demonstrably better team than they were last year, and in fact a good team. Yeah, so, so right now Philly is in, I want to say. No. No, Philly, have. Toronto's in? Yes. Toronto's got Toronto's two games. Toronto has two games in hand on Philly. And Philly's got a negative 21 goal differential, so. The Isles is a positive goal differential. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the, the Flyers coach is a total idiot and should be fired. Who? Their coach. The Flyers coach is an idiot. Oh, Haxtell? Yeah, he's not good. Yeah, he's not good. Yeah. Uh, needs to be fired immediately. Benching Ghost is not good. That's just inexcusable. But that should be – I mean, like, what happened the first time, I'm like, ah, you know, who knows? Hey, listen, the coach has Young to guy, send a message, whatever. Right, who knows? But when it happened, like, four or five times, like, all right, time to fire him. It's over. It's ah, – he's, he's gone. <laughs> Can him. Can him. That's what I would do. Uh, hey, we missed one, except that this is I, – I, <laughs> Natty Light 29 which is an incredible username – once you know, Hurdle is always going to have knee problems. I have no idea. I'm not a doctor. And don't fill me with existential dread at 11 in the morning. <laughs> Jerk. I mean, just based on, Probably, guys, yes. based on guys who have had knee problems like him, it's, it's got to have to be monitored every year. That's all I'll say. I'm no doctor. But I play one on Fear the Thin. I play podcast. one on the Fear the Thin podcast. He has a <laughs> metastarsal tear. <laughs> nice. Very good. Uh, all right. Uh, do we do we cover everything? Have we plowed all of our grounds? What? So they got Florida on Wednesday, Boston Sunday, and I think Arizona on Saturday. Uh, yes. Something like that. that. And then the bye week. Oh, man, the sweet, sweet release of the bye week. Yes. Uh, yeah. So right. Yeah. So we've got. Yeah. Got any plans for your vacation on the bye week? No, not nothing. I I've got work, so. Oh yeah, me me too. I don't get the, I don't get a bye week. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Uh, hey, let's uh, yeah. It, the the most writery thing in the world is hearing writers complain about the bye week. They don't have anything to do. Bye week. No, it's fine. Uh, we're not. We aren't complaining. Uh, I'm fine. Actually, it'll be great. I'll be able to catch up on like these 18 different stories I want to write. So I'm ready. Uh, I'm not mad. It's just funny. Shut up, Marcus. 
Uh, all right, I think we hit everything. We've got some lots of great and mediocre content on the website at fearthefin.com that you can check out. You can follow Marcus on Twitter at Marcus P. White. You follow can. me on Twitter at Jake Sundstrom. Shut up, Marcus. Uh, I feel like we forgot something, but that's fine. We'll do another one of these at some point. Did we? I don't know. We... We were we we got on here early today to do an outline, you know, uh, ten minutes and early, and instead we were thirty minutes late starting because we talked about problem. nothing instead. So it's like it's like an episode of Seinfeld. Ah, it's a show about nothing. Nice. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Until next time. Uh, thanks so much for uh, for joining us. We'll call this a qualified success as far as the uh, live uh, the, the questions and stuff. Yeah, I, I like the live mailbag. We should do that more in the future. All right, we'll do it every time. It took no extra effort. Can, don't we have a Gmail that they can email us questions to? Yeah, but then I have to. This is less work for me. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, wait. Oh, Jesus. I almost forgot. Oh, yeah. This guy was going to be right in my Twitter mentions. Uh, we need to talk. Uh, we need a definitive answer on an Arendelle nickname. Um, oh, good. This is good. This is good. good yeah, talk. yeah. This guy has been. Uh, I've forgotten the past couple of times. Now. I, I, I'm extremely into just rolling with the uh, the Arendelle on Twitter, like from Frozen. That's that's where I go. Um, okay. Some some of these Silicon Valley nerds want to roll with like the the Dell thing. Yeah, I don't computer. mind that either. That's fine. Uh, Dell makes crappy computers now, though, because they sold out. So I'm not going to do that. Um, do you have any any? I think there's a pun in there for like, you know, using Hella with Dell, like yeah. Like I these Dellans, that's oh, dude, that's Dellanized, you know, like yeah. something like like Hella but Dell, like right. I think would just, I mean, that's I my, think, that's where my mind goes. Now, and I'm thinking I'm fine with any with Adele puns. That's also good. Um, the one Hello. thing we cannot do, you know, any person who does anything remotely like delicious should be should be shut down. <laughs> we don't do those at Fear the Fin. Those those are terrible. I like if you say like, oh, that was a Dell of a save, you know, like see, that's good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, ring the Dell. You know, it's if it rhymes right. with Adele, like that's I like the totally Adele. Humble. I think every time he does anything, we should the headline should be like an Adele song. Right, I'm I'm fine. Well, we would if uh, Pete DeBoer would 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 play the guy. Right, right. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, Pete. <laughs> like I mean, well, you know, if, if they acquire a backup, it could be Hello from the other side, like Dell Bench. <laughs> Uh, like, you know, we actually could do a thousand times to tell DeBoer he should start Dell. <laughs> That's very good. We could actually do a pretty good remix with uh, uh, from with Hello, you know, with uh, just panning to to uh, Dell sitting on the end of the bench yes! trying to repeat oh DeBoer. <laughs> Are you, you going to start video, me now? Video of all yeah. the times they just pan to him on the they just go to him yeah. on the bench. Oh my god, that'd be so hello. Because <laughs> uh, they cut to him a lot. They do. Well, that's, he's sitting there in his baseball cap doing nothing. And you can just uh, get all the times, like, anytime a player walks by him going to the locker room. Like, yep. Uh, that's a great idea. Yeah, anything that rhymes with Dell, I'm good with. Any puns, like Adele, like you said, Aaron Dell. Yep. Like, um, anything like that. Um, yeah, Delicious, not a big that a big that that's I, that's I'd terrible. Rather you, I'd rather you make a pun with like Bell or Cell. Yep. Like, like I like uh. So you know, Doc Emmerich really likes the ring ten bells for that save. I would yeah. love ring, ring ten bells for that save. Yes. Yeah. If, I, if, I, if now, if like it happens where like you know, 
the Sharks are down like 5-1, like in the Stanley Cup final. They have to pull Jones. And then like he makes an incredible save when they're back in at 5-5 and we get that in the final game or something, you know, and I just weep shameful tears during yeah. it. You know, that yeah. that's my dream right now. Doc, Doc Emmerich will like combust when he makes that. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He'll retire after the game because he just cannot top like. Right. Yeah, exactly. Here, McGuire's head explodes. The turtle shell just shrinks away. Uh, and then Pierre's yeah, Pierre's gone. It's it's a win-win, baby. It's a win. Doc, I tell you, this Aradell kid, he was born in Alberta, then he went to North Dakota. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. So, oh, uh, last one. Uh, I think that there's something here where we could have kind of like a, a Dell pickle thing where we do if, if Aaron yeah, oh, yeah. Dell and Mark Blatt. Edward Blasic like both assist on a goal. Yeah. Oh, so like God. a Dell pickle goal. Yeah. Yeah. That would be pretty sweet. Yeah. So I'm really hoping for that. Like that would be – that's my dream. <laughs> that Aaron Dell gets an assist. I was looking at the Bruins stats and uh, Anton Kudobin has like – I think he has like – I think he has one assist in eight games. And uh, Jimmy Hayes has three points in 45, and Anton Godovin has more points per game than Jimmy Hayes. And uh, then Rask isn't far off. Rask has like three points, or Rask has like two points in 45, and, um, and uh, Hayes has like three in 41. That is like, that's embarrassing. That's that actually really so is. bad for the guy. That's something actually uh, we have missed. Uh, not having Antiniemi around. He did actually score at a much better clip. Quite a few assists. I don't know if they were just giving him credit for them or like, like, cause he just, you know, he'd punch out rebounds and then the Sharks would pick it up, go down in transition and score. Yeah. He had seven points in a, in his Sharks career. That's freaking good. Pretty good. That's, that's not too. The Bokov probably had the most, right? Uh, He must have. I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, I know he's the, He's the only goalie to score a goal in Sharks franchise history at Danny Debaco. All right. Let's, uh, we're, we're, we're digging into this. This is good content. Goalies that score is my, my yeah, I, I love this. Oh, I love when, when Jones it. tried it and then he bounced the puck, the puck went in. Embarrassing. Like, uh, I was Debaco, 10, point, 10 points in a 10 year career. So, Niemi, I mean, highest points per game of any Sharks goalie. He's, he's a better score. Seven points in uh, 296 games. Uh, Nabokov, 10 in 563. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, not, you know not, not to be a, a dick or whatever, well, but I'm just saying that uh, Haley's got only eight points right now, so maybe sign the Emmy to boost the scoring on the team. But eight, eight, in, eight in less games. Well, than- now, in fairness, though, he's had, using a different stick. I'm just saying sign the Emmy to play on the fourth line. Yeah, maybe the Eddie's missed his calling. Yeah, give him a different stick. Put him out there. Give, Let's go. Give him a new position. Maybe that's what the that's what the stars are going to do. <laughs> He's obviously not been very good defensively. They've got good even strength goaltending though. They've just both of them yes. have been terrible on the penalty kill. And honestly, I think that that probably has as much to do with the stars' ability defensively as it does with their goaltending. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So. Especially because it's been both of them. It's like, uh, you know what? Like, if it was just one of them, I'd be like, yeah, like they're both maybe they're really bad. Kill. And it's like, oh, you're both equally bad on the penalty kill? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Maybe there's a trend plus, here, kid. Penalty, penalty kill save percentage isn't repeatable. For it's voodoo. Yeah, that's especially voodoo. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's like people were talking about how bad the Stars goalies are this year. And I'm like, actually, they're not. It's just their penalty killing is terrible. But yeah, yeah. You, you stay woke out there, kids. All right. Let me know how that goes. Because <laughs> you look at that, you look at that 905 save percentage, you're like, yee. But then you look at the even strength, you're like, oh, Niebi and Letnin are like both better than Martin Jones. Yeah. And it's like, oh, uh, this, this is not as good as I thought it was going to be. Eeg. <laughs> Yikes. All right, guys, we're going to be back with another podcast later this week. Uh, we're going to have a shorter gap this time, but we needed some time to be with our families. Uh, that was the old Urban Meyer. Remember him? Too bad he died. <laughs> uh, that's a shame. All Terrible right. for Ohio State. Uh, but great for the rest of us. Rest in peace, Urban. This one's for you, baby.